Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is The Magic of Surrender. Well, there's a lot of surrender necessary in any type of transformation and a lot of surrender necessary over the past few years and the next few years to come because we're in a time of great change. So there's nothing we want to be more uh, embodied with than our ability to surrender to what is so. And we're going to be talking all about that today. We're also going to go into some kind of deeper principles around transformation, like what it is to really shift our frequency and live on a different trajectory and a different um, energy than maybe what we were born into. So today I have Coop Blackson on the show. He is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational leader. He speaks at countless events uh, he organizes around the world, as well as events like AFEST, and the Young Presidents Organization, the Entrepreneurs Organization. He's also a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, which is a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He's the winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award, and he is widely considered a next generation leader in the field of personal development. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. So with no further ado, welcome Coot to the show. Welcome Coot to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and so excited to have this conversation today. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So I was just sharing before we jumped on here a little bit about um, my journey and how your book, I think somebody from your team sent your book to our team. And you know how you get lots of different emails and all of a sudden there's that one email that just, you're like, okay, I need to read this right now. <laughs> like <laughs> The rest of them I'm going to get to, you know, this evening or this weekend, but this one I want to read right now. And so that was what this link was for me. And we're talking about surrender and the magic of surrender. And it was so personal to me. So I love that the intentionality in your book has that type of energy behind it that, you know, even in this busy inbox, I immediately saw it and went, okay, we need to have a conversation and we need to talk on this show. So thank you for, you know, putting that power out into the world. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you felt it because surrender this theme, this topic for me, it's not just a book. It's, it's a theme that is a calling and something I feel very moved by that part of my life is meant to be dedicated to transmitting that message of surrender and the power of living surrender in everyday life. And so I feel very pulled and called by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful from the moment I started reading it and we'll, we'll dive into that too. But for those who haven't ever heard of your work, I'm not sure how that's possible, but maybe you can take us back to some of your journey. Like how does one get to the place where surrender becomes such an important conversation? Yeah, I mean, part of my journey, uh, let's see, I'll go back a bit to the earlier times for a moment where I think even how my parents met was a process of surrender, which that's a whole other story, which we can get into if you want. But um, my first, as a, as, a, as a young boy, I always felt a deep calling to, to help people in some way. Um, there was always a part of me that felt a, I, I would feel people's pain, people suffering very deeply. So there was always a part of me that somehow wanted to alleviate suffering. And I didn't know what that would look like. I just felt, I just felt people. And 
felt their pain and just wanted to do something. And, and so that was always present. Also, <clears throat> some of my first memories, if not like my first memory was one of the, the, the most significant ones were literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on and wipes her on her face and stands up. And so I grew up in a bit of an unusual environment in that uh, every week I grew up seeing miracles, you know, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, people standing up by the wheelchairs. And that, that really provided a context for me of all possibilities. Like there were no limits. And because I didn't think of it as anything extraordinary at the time, or different, I thought this was everyone's reality. I grew, I grew up with the sense like infinite possibilities. This is, this is just how life is. And, and so <clears throat> every week I grew up seeing a, a blind person see or someone stand up out of a wheelchair. And, and so the same man who sent she picked up was my father. My father built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. My father built, uh, had hundreds of thousands of followers at his height in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, my, my father had a huge church in London, about 5,000 people in, in the eighties and nineties. And so I grew up in this context. And, um, when I was age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. When I was 14, I was ordained as a minister, given the mandate to take over my father's ministry and to be the successor. And I knew that wasn't my path an intuitive knowing that this was not my destiny but I think I had you know at 14 I was just basically too afraid too afraid to speak my truth too afraid to surrender to my truth to surrender to what I really felt my fear was if I really dared to express myself and surrender to the calling I felt to, to surrender to what I felt my soul was pulling me to um, to be that I would be outcast and I'd be alone and I would lose my father's love. And so I think so many of us, we allow fear to hijack us. And so for four years, I went through an inner conflict and inner turmoil, a questioning, a confusion, a depression. And when I turned 18, shit hit the, the fan, so to speak, where I looked into my future and I chose not to go to university. And I felt, you know, this was like an initial moment of surrender too, when I really felt my soul calling me in a direction. I felt like my soul pulling me. And sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your mind or isn't always convenient. But I knew undeniably that like, I wanted to go into the field of personal growth and spirituality and write books and self-help. And because all of the, the books on my father's bookshelf, about a thousand books were self-help books. And Louise Hay, and Wayne Dyer, and and then Deepak Chopra, and then Eastern mystics of like Osho, and Krishnamurti, and Ramana Maharishi. And so I grew up reading a lot of these books and immersing myself as a kid. And this was my obsession. So when I was, when I was about 17, I felt this undeniable calling, go to America. And I wanted to come and find these people and learn from these people and study with, with some of the, the Wayne Dyes of the world. And didn't know how I was going to do it, but I... I looked into my future basically in that moment, terrified because I knew what that would mean and the decision that this would mean. And I looked into my future and I projected and I saw that I could take the expected path, the path that everybody expected of me, um, taking over my father's ministry, living his idea for my life. But as I looked into my future, I felt such a pain of self-betrayal, the sense of soul suicide, because I could feel like I could be successful by everyone else's standards, but if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my soul, then what, it, what is that, basically? And <clears throat> my heart broke, and I just knew what I had to do. Like, the feeling of, if I lie to myself now to get the love and approval, I'm going to have to lie to myself for the rest of my life. And so I made the I surrendered to, to this calling. To this, to this feeling. I didn't know where it was going to take me. I didn't know what that would mean. I just knew that it was pulling me here and it felt real, it felt bigger than me. Um, and so I spoke to my father and this is when life, life, life began and uh, had the conversation, terrified, afraid, trembling, um, guilty that I was breaking his heart and uh, we didn't speak for two years. 
Um, it was incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging. Um, longer story short, I ended up winning uh, a green card in the green card lottery. And that's what enabled me to come to the US. And that's like, like when I think back to how crazy that was, yeah. I really believe that, like I really believe in this surrender thing. Like I really believe that when you surrender to your truth, when you surrender to your soul, when you surrender to what's, what's in integrity, what's aligned, what you're guided to do, you will always end up in the, you will always end up in the right place with the right people, doing the right thing, even though the path or the route that you take may not be the one that you most expect. And so I end up winning a green card in the lottery. And that's what enabled me to come to the US, two suitcases, um, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of self-help books, $800, knew no one at the age of 18 in this crazy place called Los Angeles and started off in Venice Beach. And you know, I went and found many of the teachers, the mentors, the folks I'd read about as a kid, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, and studied with some of them, went to the seminars, harassed some of them. And then years later, <laughs> Ended up traveling, traveling to places like Thailand and sitting with monks, traveling to walk the Camino in northern Spain, studying with rabbis in Israel. And, and then all roads kind of led me to India, where I had some really uh, profound experiences that made it clear, that basically forced me to surrender and, and, and made it really clear. I felt the clarity of like what my purpose was and 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 kind of what I wanted it to look like. And so that's what brought me back to the US. And, and you know, I also reached a point, by the way, at that stage of my life, around 21-ish, where I had this idea to do a TV show and, you know, wanted to be the next Oprah and, and got so attached to this vision of like being Oprah and helping people through media that nothing seemed to work. And then, what really made me surrender was I was offered a show. Basically, I was offered an opportunity by these big time managers and everything like I had faced like 500 rejections and I've been rejected in every way imaginable. And finally, these huge managers, guys that managed uh, Michael Jackson and Mariah Carey and Jennifer Lopez and Backstreet, they said, we're going to basically we're going to make you a star. And so I went and I meditated on it. They said, come back the next day. Here's the management contract. We begin. And my soul said no. And, and I just knew that if I don't listen to that thing inside, things don't turn out well. And, and so once again, freaking surrender to, to this, 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 this internal guidance, much to my ego and personality's uh, frustration, to be honest, because I didn't understand, but I just knew it was, it was, this was the same thing that, that guided me to America and helped me win the green card. So I just had this feeling. And so I, uh, that surrender led me into a role uh, funk because uh, I felt like I'm about to get everything I thought I wanted, yet my soul is guiding me in a different direction. And so that's what led me to, to India and traveling and to find myself and, and kind of like, okay, God, universe, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do with my life anymore, but show me the way. And uh, it opened up so many incredible doors. You know, sometimes not getting what you think you want is really a blessing and grace, even though we're not able to see it in the moment. So, uh, yeah, and then years later, I came back, came back uh, about six months later and began working with people one-on-one. -on -one. No idea what the hell I was doing back then, but started creating my own way of working with people called uncoaching. And I wanted everyone to be free. I wanted everyone to be free. I felt so happy. When I first came back from India, I was broke, homeless, you know, no girlfriend, no nothing, like uh, two suitcases again. But I felt so freaking happy. And the happiness wasn't dependent on any kind of objective experience. And so I thought, wow, I love for people to feel what I feel. And one person came, another person came. And it was very slow in the beginning, but people started transforming. I began refining a, a, a way of working with people and life changed. And then it just started to expand and smaller groups and larger groups and larger groups and then two books and now the magic of surrender and here we are so great it's such a life testament to those moments that we come to where you have that it's like the inconvenient truth right where your soul is like right don't go this way 
but your ego's like, but all that's all I've ever wanted is to go this way. And now I'm feeling like maybe it's not aligned. Maybe I've dreamed about it for years and years. And then I finally get to that doorstep and I'm like, it's not it. And what do I do? And who am I if I don't want this? Like you have to almost like redefine, you know what I mean? Like we define ourselves by these like desires, largely egoic desires sometimes that we have. And then if they either don't show up or they don't show up on our time or they show up and we go, ah, I don't know if this is really it. It's like, it can leave you spinning. Right? And so I love hearing your story because it's like, there are these markers in your life where you had these choice points. Do I listen to myself? Huge. And do I, and, the, and that one about someone going, we're going to make you a star. I mean, that was a huge choice point considering, you know, the things that you desired at that time. And, 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 and you know, it wasn't like I looked at it and go, ah, nah, this isn't something I want. It was like, no, this is something. I yeah. want. And it, still, it was like, yes. And yet something deeper than my sort of ego's conscious awareness was just like, nah, there's a different direction. And I look back, you know, and I, and I really, see the grace in the intelligence that I think is guiding us all. Because I look back as a 20-some-year-old kid, and I see that had I maybe succeeded in that or, or got the show on air, my, 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 my ego's development really wasn't at that stage ripe enough, ready enough to handle what might come. And so probably I would have imploded. And where do you go after that? And yeah. I probably wouldn't have gone as deep into my own spiritual practice and healing and understanding. And to be honest, it, it was only because I went so deep at that stage that enabled me to be able to do the work I'm doing and help people at the level and really help transform people at very deep levels. And so I think, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, we're not always able to see in the moment the, the grace that is happening. But I really believe truly when I look back that it was grace that it didn't happen. Yeah, no, it's a blessing. What, what did you feel when you were leaving, like on your travels, how you went to India and you had these you know, amazing experiences and you were learning. And I think when I was reading it in the book, I was having this feeling that you were really shedding a lot of the way you yeah. thought it had to be. Everything. Um, and, and so what was it like returning, you know, back to, LA or back to you came back to LA right right after that yeah yeah I came back to LA and what it was like was on one level I felt such a freedom of just you know within myself just so free because all of these ideas and identities and you know who I thought I needed to be it just just kind of dropped away and there was just like nothing there was just being here and 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 so one thing that was really uh, scary in a certain sense, because it felt like, I don't know, it felt like being a little newborn because the, 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 the motivation that drove me until that point, some of it may have been, yeah, I wanted to impact people as a young man, but some of it may have been proving to my father and some of it may have been showing I'm good enough and showing I'm this enough and, you know, being famous, all of that, just that dropped away. And so now when I came back, the same motivation and drive wasn't there. And I remember going to a friend's gathering. I don't know if it was a week or a month or two afterwards. It was very fresh since I came back from India. And it felt so raw and vulnerable and awkward because the old way of me being me like just didn't fit anymore. And so I remember just being in this party for, as an example and just kind of sitting there, you know, and, and not quite sure, honestly, how to interact. And, and it took me, I remember it took me months. I don't know how long, maybe a year, maybe six months, but it was, it was a chunk of, it felt like a chunk of time where I felt a little bit clumsy in my, in my way of being and and there was a distinct moment it was october i forget which year but it was in october when i felt i remember just feeling an energy from the inside a, a, a movement from the inside like move me 
to pick up the phone and make a phone call. But it, it felt different than before because it wasn't like me making it happen. It was like something inside moving to make that phone call and watching my hand. It was like watching this happening and it just felt like a completely different motivation. So doing was still happening, but it really didn't feel, I remember this distinct moment of observing and not feeling like I could of myself and doing, but doing was happening. And that, that, that was the beginning of, of a whole cycle of, of action and activity that slowly just kind of built, but from a completely different motivation. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't seeking in the world to, let's say, complete me or make me whole or validate me in the same way I was. It, it, I was coming from a different place. And that, and that felt tremendously freeing when that switch happened yeah i've that is very beautiful the way you describe that i've had that in my life as well like i for two years after i mean i had a real like pull the rug out from underneath you transformation whole life change you know very quickly type of situation um and for two years after that like i didn't even know i felt like we know they say like you have an ego death and you're like learning, you know, it's like a death and your rebirth process. And it made me think the whole time I was going through this, I'm like, it's like, I'm learning to walk again. Right. It's like, I'm learning to live or talk again. I, and it's so funny because I had had, I had built a big career. So I had, you know, business experience. I had moved in the world and been able to like, you know, do big things. And so to go from that experience to this complete pull rug pulled out from underneath you, to then feel like I don't know how to get on the phone and talk to somebody was such a strange sensation. And then the feeling that I had was how long is this going to last? Like, am I ever going to be able to like (laughs) go and have a conversation with people? Like, cause it went on for a period of time where I just felt like I was new at everything and everything that I had learned before just didn't feel tangible. Like it was in a different frequency or something and I didn't have access to it. And I had to learn in this different energy that I was in now, um, how to make my way, how to get my sea legs, so to speak. And you described it beautifully. And then, you know, and all the questioning that goes along with that, right? Like, what am I doing? Why do I feel this way? Like, is it ever going to end? So, yeah, I think, you know, I think there's something to this idea of rebirth, like in a new energy. And, And what you were saying about, like, feeling that you are acting from a different place, like an energy is coming through you versus how you felt before is so accurate and beautifully said. That's what the sensation is. It's like, I'm not, you know, people get so focused on what are you physically doing, right? Like picking up a phone and, and you get to this place, like you're describing where it's like, what is the energy behind me picking up the phone? Right. Or what is my why for, you know, like what's motivating me to pick up the phone? Not the, it's not about the phone, right. Or the action I'm taking. It's like the energy behind that. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And you, as things started to grow and expand from this, like kind of new motivation place, and you started to feel yourself like getting, you know, getting comfortable in this new space and seeing what was coming into your life, like that you were getting to help and support people like you always wanted. What was the feeling of growth that was going on? So like how, what were you saying to yourself about like, okay, one person's coming and now two people and now groups of people are coming. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like to you know, we talk a lot about the the breaking apart or the release or the coming, you know, going through this ego death experience or whatever people want to call it. But we don't talk a lot about like what happens as we start to expand, you know what I mean, in this new energy. So what were the thoughts that were running through your mind? Um, wow, such a long time ago that these are not things I've really thought about in a long <laughs> time. You're making me think about some things. Um you know, I think it, there, there was a lot of innocence because I really didn't know what would happen. Um, all I knew was I wanted to help people. I, it was like I, I reconnected with that pure desire that I had when I was a kid. And I just wanted to help people. And one person showed up and I kind of talked to them and 
helped them the best they could at that time. And, and there, there was just a pure desire to be of service and help people. And that was my prayer, like universe use me for just however I can be used. And, 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 and my work really shifted because I had a, I had a client I was kind of talking to people, kind of giving advice, kind of life coaching-ish, kind of some, you know, just, just sharing why I felt so freaking happy. And, and then things shifted organically when I had a client show up at my doorstep, brought to me by my neighbor, brought her ex-boyfriend to, the, to, 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 to my door and basically said, can you help him? And I said, well, yeah, tell me more. And, and said he just lost... $250,000, this was in, you know, 20 years ago, uh, $250,000 in Las Vegas in two days, smoking, gambling, drinking, prostitutes, cocaine, alcohol, marijuana, heroin, everything, like everything imaginable. And can you help it? And all I heard come out of my mouth was yes. I'm like, shit. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> before, before I could even think, Get that back. Just Get that a back. word came out. And I said, yes, bring him tomorrow. And uh, I'm like, wow. So he showed up tomorrow. And that began a whole new way of, of kind of working with people where I realized that the way I was kind of working with people was not going to really work with the guy who had all of these patterns, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's when I meditated and I said, okay, universe, you, you, Yes came out of my mouth. It felt like it was beyond me again. So you're going to have to help me out here. And, and I kind of, I don't say downloaded, but I sort of visioned a, I called it an uncoaching process. Uh, I envisioned a process and a very specific way of working with him that I became known for over the, over the last years that was really about uncoaching, unconditioning, untraining him, helping him unravel the layers of his conditioning that we all have layers of conditioning so that he could really kind of heal and get in touch with his true essence. And so it was a month process and I designed this particular process, but it just felt like it came to me and spent a day with him and I met with him three times a week. And it was a whole intensive process. Long story short, his life literally transformed in a month. In a month, 360, it was literally like a miracle. And his life transformed to the point where he was unrecognizable. He was a, uh, um, an Israeli guy and Israelis intense people, you know, when, when, you know, if you do something and they love you and it works, they tell everybody, you know, and if, if it's the opposite, they tell everyone, you know, <laughs> and, and, and he told every, he told every freaking Israeli in Los Angeles and, you know, uh, I had clients coming, coming before you knew it. Like, what did you do to some, what, what happened? Like, like clients coming. And what I loved about Israelis were they didn't give a shit if I had, a, at least with my experience for me, they didn't care eh, that I was different, you know, different than them, that I was younger, that I did, didn't have a college degree. They just looked me in the eyes and basically asked me, can you help me? And can you produce a result? That's the bottom line. And uh, life transformed and people, you know, the word spread, the words. And so, so for me, everything was a natural evolution. And I just found that as I, as I evolved, as I evolved inside of myself, as I integrated, as I stabilized in my own consciousness, as I expanded my own consciousness and deepened my connection to, to myself, to source, to to the divine, then the deeper I went within myself, the more I was able to take my clients deeper. And so it was this organic process that started happening where as I went deeper in my own sort of self, clients showed up and then clients showed up with bigger challenges and deeper challenges as I went deeper. And, and, and so it just kept deepening and you know, clients showed up. That's like, how am I even supposed to work with this? But things shifted and things happened. And so it was, it was a beautiful process, you know, and over the course of yeah, 10, 15 years of really working with clients very, very, very intensely, it, it took me through my own evolution to the point where uh, I started taking clients one-on-one -on -one to India. And so every, every stage 
of my process in the world was really out of my own evolution. For instance, after 10 years, I began taking clients to India one-on-one. And I created a, 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 a process called the liberation experience where I take away your money, take away your, basically what I went through. Uh, you take away your money, take away your passport, make you sign your will in case you don't come back, make you write letters to everyone in your life in case you don't come back, make you face death, basically. And I take you through a 14-day, 24-7 immersive experience in India where I put you in situations that bring up all of your shit, you know, and I help you move through them and work through them. Planes, trains, train stations, you know, the Ganges, you name it. Like nothing is off limits, you know, and kind of took people through a condensed version of my own journey and my own, shall we say, ego unraveling process in a very intense way. And so had I not gone through that, I wouldn't have been able to take my clients to that. And so everything was connected to my own process and my own evolution. And as I deepened, things opened up, the world opened up and then groups opened up. And anyway, I could keep going, but I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And it's so true. Like there there are things that you have the confidence to do with people. I say this all the time too. Like when you've gone through some extraordinary circumstances, you know what I mean, that had you deepen, you have like the confidence that you couldn't learn in a book. You couldn't learn no, anywhere. You have to have, you have to have lived it to be able to guide people through that depths, right? Because, because think about like our human experiences is that somewhat our ego keeps us afraid of those depths, right? And we build all these barriers to, to con- looking at the truth, confronting them, like understanding ourselves. And so it's, it's complex. And like, if you haven't confronted that within yourself, it's almost like you're going to turn around and run at a certain point yeah, of yeah. anybody confronting that, right? Yeah. Well, you won't be able to take your client somewhere that you haven't been yourself. And when your clients bring up things that you avoid or haven't dealt with or aren't dealing with, you won't be willing to go there because it will be too confronting for you. Yeah. And 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 I and I and, and so I think that's what I saw within myself is the deeper I went the deeper the space I was able to hold. Even if I hadn't been through that particular thing, but it was more the depth or the energy of that thing. And, and so just, yeah, things unfolded gracefully. And, you know, there were lots of challenges along the way in building, but, but it, it, it so was beautiful. a beautiful, beautiful journey. So beautiful. So when you lay in bed at night and you, where you're from where you sit today and you think about those moments before you fall asleep, like, what do people need to know? Or if everyone in the world, right, were to understand this or that, whatever the thing is, like the world would really shift or evolve. Like those private thoughts that you kind of have from being able to be in these spaces with people for all these years and knowing human nature like you do, like what are some things that you think about that we need to know, that humanity needs to know? Um, Let's see. I, I I just think... Let, let me just start with maybe things that I think would help uh, or places where we could begin, you know, like, because like, because if people are wondering, okay, how, how do I start? Where do I begin to make a shift? I think one of the things that I see keeps us stuck as human beings are all the ways that we lie to ourselves or the ways that we don't tell ourselves the truth. As human beings, we're constantly you know, and sometimes we don't even know that we're lying to ourselves. We just really believe that what we believe is what we believe and what we feel is what we feel. And we think it's true. We think who we are is who we really are. We believe ourselves to be this kind of character and, and we're so identified with our sense of self. And so many times the lies that we tell ourselves don't feel like lies and we're not aware that they're lies. But I think in so many ways we are lying to ourselves in so many ways. And so that keeps us stuck. You know, we stay in relationships that we know aren't right or aren't aligned we work jobs and careers that we know might compromise our integrity in some way but we stay out of security out of comfort out of familiarity and so i think that there is no real expansion evolution you know reinvention transformation without truth and to truly transform your life, you have to be willing to start facing the truth about who you are, about what you feel, about what you want. And so, you know, I think just even, I would encourage folks listening just to start with the questions of, okay, looking at what lies am I telling myself? 
and just begin there. Like, what lies? How, how am I lying to myself? What lies am I? Because so often we're so busy that we're conditioned to not even reflect, self-reflect, to not even think. The ego doesn't want to think and question itself because the ego's job, you know, the ego wants everyone and everything else to change, but it doesn't want to change. And the ego's job is to simply reinforce its existence and keep us safe. And, and we've been conditioned to believe we are this ego structure based on belief systems and you know memories and past experiences. And so I think if we can just start with, okay, what, what lies am I telling myself and begin self-reflecting, taking a step back to just ponder. I think we have to want the truth more than we want what we have. We have to want the truth more than we want what we think we want. And so I think if we really just began telling ourselves the truth about who we are, truly, honestly, without judgment, so much about what we deal with, so much about our lives would begin self-correcting and would begin shifting and realigning and transforming. And so it might sound like, okay, you know, I'm not in love. I'm not in love. I'm no longer in love. Scary, terrifying. I hate my job. You know, so I would also invite people to just as a kind of a, a support there, be willing to take the, the take take the take the pressure off of yourself of having to take action. Because I think sometimes we're so afraid of the consequences of yeah. the truth and what that means. And so the ego in its self-protective, you know, ways, we sometimes create this smoke screen of confusion. And I don't know, and I'm not sure. It's like, I don't really know what I feel about this relationship. I don't really know what my purpose is when deep down, there's a part of us that knows. At the deepest level, we know, we know, we know everything. I think at the deepest level, we are everything. How many times have you or I or we, you've been in a relationship, you weren't sure, you were confused. Was it the one? Is it not the one? Should I stay? The moment you broke up with that person, you're like, I, I knew that was never good. <laughs> right. and, and your friend asks you, well, when did you know? Uh, a week into it, uh, a month into it, uh, the moment I met the person, right? So we, we have this, 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 this intelligence. And so I think when we can take the pressure off of ourselves of having to take action, like you don't need to break up. You don't need to leave, but just acknowledge the truth. I hate my job. Feel that. Like, let that, let that just... Rest in your body for a moment. Just integrate that. Let that marinate. I, I, I'm not in love with this person. I haven't been in love with this person for five years. Just, just kind of like feel what arises. And because that begins a transformative process. And we're often so afraid to tell the truth because of the fear. And, and so I think when we lie to ourselves, we end up, feel, we end up experiencing pain psychological pain on an emotional level, depression, apathy, lack of aliveness, you know, we end up experiencing some physical pain as a temporary kind of physical ailment. Sometimes we end up experiencing pain as a manifestation, maybe of an ongoing disease where our unconscious is speaking to us through our body. And so I think when we lie to ourselves, it's meant to be painful. It's meant to be painful. To me, the pain is a signal that we are not in alignment in some way. And the pain is really a messenger that is trying to get our attention. And so I think, to me, the pain isn't the issue. It's really that we don't pay attention to the pain. We don't acknowledge the pain. We don't heed the message of the pain. And then it continues and it grows. And so, you know, we tend to drink, distract and drink it away, smoke it away, sex it away, drug it away, meditate it away. And so I think if we're willing to just get into relationship with what we feel, in relationship with our pain and just acknowledge the feelings so much of what we therapize about pray about go to temple about would dissolve if we just started to tell ourselves the truth for me as a kid it began then when i had to very well i was terrified just tell myself the truth this is not my path terrifies me it's scary as hell i'm, af- I'm afraid i'm going to be alone outcast never have a relationship with my father again I'm scared, but the truth is, this is my calling. And it is scary. And you, and I will say, you might lose people and you might lose situations. But what I will say is, whatever falls out of your life, whoever moves out of your life was probably not truly aligned with who you are or what your soul is seeking to become. And so I think... We have to have the courage to really tell the truth. That's, that's a foundation. And then I think 
to really know who we are, you know, to truly know who we are. You mentioned ego death, which I think is, is, is such an important concept. I'll actually even say that when we understand who we are or when we understand the nature of something, it completely transforms our relationship with life and who we are. And I think we are so conditioned for many reasons to believe that we are this character, that we are this separate sense of self, that we are this ego self. And I'll even say this way or kind of a, a different way than you said it. Like, in fact, the ego can't even die because the ego itself isn't real. And we've been conditioned to believe that the ego is real and that degree to which we believe ourselves to be the ego and, and, and the degree to which we believe it to be real is the degree to which we suffer and feel separate and feel disconnected. And so much of the suffering of the world comes from that sense of I'm me, I'm you, you're separate, we're all separate beings. And, and I think when we know who we, when we know the reality of the illusion of this ego, Yes. Which we and, and, and what I would say is the ego is not a thing. The ego is just a process. And it's a process of identification to body, name, form, culture, religion, beliefs, stories, memories, you know, sensations that we've just held onto that's been reinforced by life. And so when we start seeing through that illusion, then I think there's a tremendous freedom to realize, oh what I think I am, this character I think I am, that is a construct and, and, and collection of pattern responses from my childhood is ego, and that's not what I am. Oh, I understand. You know, like when we were children, like we were all free. We were talking about like we were surrendered. We were just aliveness. We were being, we were in touch with that. Divine, we, you know, we sang. We didn't give a shit if we didn't sound, sound like, you know, Celine Dion. We would run naked. We didn't care. How do I look like on an Instagram? We were just being pure light and energy. What the hell happened to us? Well, what happened to us? We incarnated into this human experience. Then we met our parents. Our parents, you know, some are, some are crazy, some are <laughs> lovely, some are, they are what they are. They're just doing the best that they can do based on their childhood and their upbringing. Maybe dad was an alcoholic. Maybe mom had mental health issues. Maybe they were fighting all the time. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe there was, you know, screaming. Maybe there was addiction. Maybe they were great people, but they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And so it's kind of like our conditioning comes into play often unconsciously, which we then identify with. But the first thing that happens is we begin to learn all sorts of strategies to disconnect, shut down, and not feel. And so we start suppressing, 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 suppressing all sorts of feelings. And those, those unfelt feelings begin layering up and our true essence gets hidden underneath the layers of unprocessed feeling. And then we kind of contort ourselves into a shape to hold on, erecting walls to not feel the pain which then becomes a pattern of control. And so now we start holding on so tightly as a way to never feel that pain again, which is really a survival mechanism. And then, you know, we go into the world, the sense of who do I need to be in order to get love, and validation, approval. And we start developing a role and a mask, a persona, an identity of who we need to be. For me, as the, as the preacher's holy man's kid, I thought I needed to be, you know, the perfect son, the appropriate one, the kind one, the responsible one, the one who took care of everybody all the time at the expense of my own needs, you know? And in so many ways, it's beautiful, but I ended up betraying myself and I think it became a role. And so we, we're often, we often contort ourselves into a certain shape to become who we think we need to be to get that love validation approval and to avoid that pain, thinking that the version or the pattern conditioned version of ourselves that we've become is who we are. And what I want people to know is, it's not. It's who you are, who you really are, or is it just who you've been conditioned to be? Because the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. It's the degree to which we're not free to just meet the moment, free to just be. And so I think it's really important to have the courage to question ourselves. Like, who am I? What am I? What do I really believe? Do I, but the, you know, the degree to which we're conditioned, ego, which is ego, ego doesn't want to change because it's afraid. And so ego doesn't want to question. We don't want to question because questioning one's belief structure, belief system, paradigms feels so terrifying for the ego. 
which feels like a death for our perceived sense of self, which when we start seeing through that illusion, we start then seeing the self that we thought we were isn't real. And that's just why I say the ego can't die. And so I just would love people to, to reflect like, who, who am I and what am I? And what is it that exists? And where do I exist? And what do I really believe? You know, and I think when we can start questioning ourselves, that's the beginning of freedom. True, true, true freedom and true, shall we say, um, choice. Up until that point, we don't have free will. We're just living out the programming and conditioning of that's been passed down to us from ancestors and generations and generations and generations. And we're just living out those impulses. So to have the courage to question ourselves, I think is, 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 a, is a key foundation. I think, and when we do start to transcend our own ego, e egoic identification, I think we start tapping into uh, a deeper dimension of our own essence, our own beingness. And, and I found for myself that something beautiful starts happening because when we tap into that, we start, at least I have felt, we start feeling the deeper dimension of what we are, that we all at that level are connected. We all at that level, you know, um, there's a shared beingness, there's a shared essence that we, we all are, you know, and for me, that's where love kind of blossoms, where I realize hmm, what's looking at me is looking at you. And at that level, we are one despite the surface differences, you know? And so yeah. uh, I think that that's something I would love folks to think about. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the, the piece that really I feel like is so valuable because fear is what gets in the way of us telling yes. the truth, right? And something that just occurred to me for the first time in what you were sharing is like, what if we can courageously tell ourselves the truth? Like you said, tell ourselves we're not happy in the relationship or we don't want to be at this job anymore. And the fear is if I tell myself the truth, then I'm going to have to act on this. And when I yes. act on it, I'm going to have to do it with force because I'm afraid and I'm going to have to, you know, if I admit I don't like my job, I'm going to have to quit tomorrow with no other plan. And just, you know, it's going to feel like you're ripping, you know, ripping something open. And what you were sharing earlier about how life, like when you are in alignment and truth with yourself, like life will just gently start to move you towards that thing. And so what if we started thinking about it? Like, like I just have to tell myself the truth and then pause. Right. Yep. It's like, yep. just put that out there as like, I'm going to tell myself the truth. I don't need to take action on that today or tomorrow, but I'm going to set something in motion. And I trust that like my path and that the universe and like all the ways I'm guided in life is just going to slowly start to move my life into that truth and that it can feel like a natural movement, that it's not something that has to feel like horrible or abrupt or difficult, like that we can literally say with our mind, because we expect, you know, when we tell ourselves the truth, you expect it's going to be awful, right? Shattering. It's, oh my gosh, it's going to be such a big deal. But truly like, you know, I've been in relationship dynamics where things just kind of moved, you know, we just moved in our own places and yeah. it was gentle and it was kind and it was, there was Doesn't no trauma. Suffering. Yeah. It wasn't suffering or drama. It's, it's funny. I had a client who she, she came to me and she was like, I think I write about this in the book. Maybe I didn't, but she was like, I'm not in love with my husband. I'm not living with my husband. I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I'm miserable. Help me. Just don't make me leave my husband. So the whole process was about, I'm not in love with my husband. And it, eventually she mastered the courage to have a conversation with her husband, just to say, look, I'm not in love. It wasn't like divorce. It was just like, I need to tell you the truth. And she yeah. was terrified what she had put on hold for like 12 years uh, and, 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 and suffered through. And she finally had this conversation in a loving way in a compassionate way, from her heart, from humility, from vulnerability. And she said, look, I, I just, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. And I just, I, I'm struggling because I care about you so much and I don't want to hurt you and I'm not in love with you, but I love you as a being. And, and she was so terrified about the response. And finally he was like, 
oh my God, I'm so relieved. I'm so relieved from this conversation because I feel the same way. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And it's so great. We can just finally have this conversation. You know, and it just freed up so much. Freed up yeah. so much. Yeah. The truth, you look, I think for all of us, the next level of our lives requires the next level of us. And the next level of us requires that we let go of what's no longer aligned. We can't manifest the new being the old version of ourselves. And so something I would ask everyone to listen, to, to sit with is, okay, what is it that you need to let go of? What is it that's no longer aligned? What is, what is it that's no longer a vibrational match? Yet as human beings, what we tend to do is hold on to what's not working out of comfort, out of safety, out of familiarity, not realizing we're actually block, energetically blocking our blessing. But when we let go of what's not aligned, then we actually make space and we make space for the new. And you're absolutely right. I don't think it has to be abrupt. It doesn't have to be suffering. It can be just in stages and it can be gentle. And part of just the surrender is just acknowledging, you know what? Here's what I feel. Here's what's true. Here's yeah. what's going on inside of me as a step. So beautiful. So the book's The Magic of Surrender, you guys. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. I think everybody has at least one area of their life that they can apply this to right now, um, if not many areas of their life. And can you share with people where they can find out more about your work? Yeah, they can go to, let's see, uh, obviously Amazon to get the book. Um, my website, Coot Blackson, K-U-T-E-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N, CootBlackson.com. Uh, twice a year, I do a deep dive, 12-day transformation of one of my favorite things, uh, experience in Bali with, with about 20 people. Um, it's called Boundless, www.boundlessblissbali.com. And Instagram and Facebook, Kuplex. That sounds amazing. Woo. All right. Well, thank you so much, Coop, for being with us. Thank you for sharing this. I think, you know, I think that piece of the puzzle about being able to move forward in a natural way is something everybody needed to hear today. So thank you for all of the gifts that you've given us. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at The Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.